I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Can you say the letter C? All right, welcome back, CC Hunt Files Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Casper, and this episode is brought to you by C4 Purple Frost. Right out of the gate this morning, I am tired as fuck because I just got back from the Indiana Deer and Turkey Exposition Show. Yeah, baby, we're running on C4 Energies. It's a brand new sponsor of this podcast. I wish it was. Actually, no, I don't. I'd probably blow my heart up if I was getting them for free instead of just buying them. But with that being said, I got a solo podcast for you coming in hot this week. Going to drop, man, going to get this out here quick today, Uh, get it produced, and be out for you guys tomorrow. So this is Monday morning. You guys know the drill. Going to go over the proud sponsors that make the wheels roll on this show. Grizzly Coolers, code WCB. Come see them in Iowa next week. Well, actually, this week. Now, shit, again, like I said, I apologize. Half delusional. Uh, We are at Monday morning, so the Iowa show starts Friday. They will be close to us at the Iowa show. Come check them out. Grizzly Coolers, that's code WCB. Our good friends over at Black Ovis, code WCB10 there. They got some great new stuff dropping in the next upcoming weeks. Keep an eye on them. Also, sister companies, Camo Fire and Crispy Boots. Crispy Boots have some really cool boots that's going to be coming out. Uh, Some new stuff. I think they've already dropped one or two in the last week. May have missed that. Um, Hunter's Box Club, shout out to Devin Leonard, our boy. Get yourself signed up. Um, I've got to see a couple of the shirt designs here recently. Kurt showed me a couple last week when I was in studio. Some really cool companies, really cool designs. You guys don't want to miss out on those because they are specific to the box. So you can't get those shirts anywhere else. And last but certainly not least, our boys, probably the best top golfers I've ever seen from Novix Tree Stands over there in Peoria, Illinois. We were back-to-back with them. Um, They were right behind us the next aisle over at the Indiana Deer and Turkey Expo. Had a lot of fun with old G-Bear, um, Clayton, and Frank, and Brad, and man, shout out to Emily Shad. She just got a new job there, so she had her first trade show with them. 
Um, she's going to be doing, I believe, like customer service and running some of the social media. So shout out to Emily, great friend of mine um, for a lot of years. Man, hell of a lot of fun with those guys. Great company. Um, they've got brand new stands out, the new Raider series. they got a lock-on and a ladder, some new sticks. Go check those out. Um, man, just an affordable stand, American-made. And you know what? The size and the weight regulations and the, the limitations on those honestly are endless. I mean, a guy could use that stand with uh with the stick quiver four sticks and honestly go kick ass in the mobile game so if you don't want to buy a helo or an echo this is a cheaper version with basically damn near just as many of the features for less money go check that out the new raider series with that being said we're gonna get this rolling it's solo monday morning clint talking to clint which can be scary but I'm running on that C4 Purple Frost, so it should all go well. Um, man, trade shows. Okay, so just finished up the Indiana Deer and Turkey Expo. Um, man, absolutely love that show. They asked me to come back um, every year. Uh, for the last couple years now, I've got to do seminars there. I've absolutely loved it. Um, shout out to Kevin and all those guys over there. They put on a great show. We're right across from Big Time every year. Novix was right behind us. So, man, it's just a big block party. We, we have a lot of fun. We get to meet so many cool people. Shout out to everybody that came over. We had four great days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. As far as people coming to support the podcast, shake our hands. Man, just bullshit. It, it's awesome. Um, every year I always tell you know Kurt and Doug and everybody, like it's crazy how many people just come out to the shows that just want to bullshit and hang out and meet us. And, and you know, hey, we're just a bunch of idiots. Um that grind at our jobs, grind at our family life, and, and grind at this podcast. And it's it's crazy to think, you know, how many people actually are super, you know, stoked about being able to meet us. And, and, and it, it makes you feel good, you know, because it's like, man, we're just regular dudes doing something we love to do. But it's awesome to get the recognition and, and to feel all that love and support, uh, the amount of hats and shirts and stickers and shit that goes flying off the shelves at these shows. It's incredible. Um, we just can't thank you enough, honestly. Seminar-wise, it was great. You know, um, I did two different seminars, flip-flopped each day, targeting a specific buck, and then um, bow hunting the high country for mule deer and elk. And, and it was awesome to be able to see and interact with. With you know, I had great crowds all four days. Um, man, I'm just you know honestly blessed to be even in this kind of having this opportunity with the podcast and just the hunting world and the writing and then now the seminar deals. Um, man, I just it's something I've always wanted to do and. I never really thought I'd get there and, and, you know, damn it just, I owe so much to all of you and the support and, and, you know, um, Kevin, one of the guys that runs the show told me, you know, man, there was a lot of people last year that said, God, you got to have Clint back. You know, we really enjoyed his shows and, and have him do two other different topics and, and, you know, and man, that, that's something that, you know, it's, uh, you feel really damn good when people walk away from your seminars and, you know, they, they had a lot of questions and they interact and, and they were, Man, good presentation and and, and um, the po- the powerpoints. Honestly, I'd I'd love to say those are all me, but I gotta I gotta do a big shout out to uh, my main my main chick uh, Rachel Bushdack. Um, the man, her and Andy, uh, Aunt Aunt Rachel and Uncle Andy, as the boys like to call them. Um, you know, they they've called Rachel Aunt Aunt Rachel for a long time, but she actually does my powerpoints for me. She helps me put them together. She's a freaking wizard at it. Um, I'm very lucky and, and want to give a shout out to her because I'm blessed that I've got somebody that basically can do a PowerPoint in their sleep to help me put all that together. 
I don't want to brag. I'm not that guy, but I will say I always have the nicest presentation. I've always got the coolest slideshow, and I always get complimented on that. And, um, yeah, shout out to Rachel. She pretty much kicks ass at that. And uh, I'd love to tell you if you ever need PowerPoints to hit her up, but I, I she's so freaking busy at work, I, I don't think she really has the time to do that. Maybe down the road, though, she can start a little business. I can, like, help her out. I can coordinate the PowerPoints and set them up, and then she can just pay me to – be like your secretary because I sure as hell don't I still don't know how to really do them all that well but yeah that's what I've got Rachel for though she helps me out you know and there it is we uh we trade off you know so it it, uh, it all works out well but shout out to her I really appreciate it but again seminars went great show went great um so okay show schedule let's run down through that real quick before we dive into this solo deal want to talk about sheds um want to wrap up a little bit of application stuff so just did Indiana Deer and Turkey Waterfowl show. We've got the Iowa Deer Classic in Des Moines. That is March 3rd through the 5th. I will be speaking on the 4th and the 5th. Um, both of them are going to be Western hunting related. Then skip a week, Open Season Sportsman's Expo in Columbus, Ohio. That's March 17th through the 19th. I will be there speaking. Um, come check us out. Come check out these seminars. Then the next weekend, we're in Wisconsin Dells. And then the next weekend, we're in Peoria, Illinois for the Illinois Deer Classic. And let's see. After that, we've got the oh, the shoot is in Galesburg. That's June 10th. And then Beer Fest is in Bloomington, Illinois, the 25th through the 27th. I will not be there. Um, I will hopefully be on the side of a mountain chasing mule deer uh, in that time of the year, probably Utah if I draw the tag. Um, let's talk application deadlines real quick. I had two great podcasts with Tony Treach. We talked about that. Um, application season deadlines, all that. Do not be missing out. We're at the end of February, getting ready to go into March. There are a lot of deadlines going to be coming up quick. Do not slack on that. Look them up. Write them down, set a reminder on your phone, and here's another little quick tip. Do not wait till the last day or two because the wavelength of internet failure that's going to take place during those two days of everybody waiting to the last minute trying to get on the state systems to get the tags, etc., don't be that guy. Do it before. Um, I've been that guy. You get kicked off, you get kicked out, your session expires, you get pissed, you punch a hole in the wall, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, don't, don't be that guy. Make sure you are getting this stuff done plenty of days before the deadline. Trust me, you'll be thankful you did. The last day or two is a complete shit show. Um, also, there are some states out there, like I know for a fact Nebraska is one of them. If you are going to buy an over-the-counter turkey tag as a non-resident, there is a quota. There's only so many given away. Do not let that run out. I would get those immediately. I know uh, Arizona this year for mule deer, I fucked up and didn't get my tag in time, and that is why I did not go on a rut hunt in Arizona this year in January, because I did not have a tag. I did not get it in time. The quota ran out and was filled, and you're shit out of luck if you don't have it. So make sure you're paying attention to that. Make sure you're keeping an eye on that. Um, I'd hate to see anybody miss out on those opportunities. If you're still kind of lost on the shed deal, or shed deal, Christ almighty, Whew, again, Monday morning after the first trade show of the year. Okay, if you're still lost on the application process, if you're still a little bit lost on kind of where am I going, what am I doing, you're listening to this podcast. If you have not listened to the last two that I did, the uh, let's see, it would have been Tony Treach, Mule Deer and Elk, 
That was part one. And then Tony Treach, all the rest of the animals, part two. Antelope, bison, um, kind of your lifetime tags, etc. Go check those out. A lot of valuable, great information on there. Tony does a hell of a job, knows his shit. Also, you've got WCB Adventures that we've got right now. Um, shameless plug on them. Not just because I'm part of the deal, but here's the thing. We created this because we wanted to help you guys out. With Rolling Bones, what you're able to do with WCB Adventures is you're able to get subscribed, and they will take care of the application process for you. They tell you how many points you have. They tell you where you should apply. They will do the applications for you. You are paying a one-time fee for the year, basically for them to be like your tag secretary. Really cool feature. Um, there's also a lot of great magazines out there that can also help you out with this stuff. Um, Hunting Fool's one that I've been a, a subscriber for to, for a long time. Great magazine to get um, if you're trying to figure out you know all that there is to do whenever it comes to the application process, where to hunt, what units. I had a lot of people. Excuse me. Had a lot of people this week weekend at my shows, my seminars that asked me, um, okay, I want to get into the tag game, but here's the deal. I don't want to apply to a bunch of states. What's the philosophy? Okay. If you're going to do that, you can figure that out on your own. You don't need to pay someone to do that. So let's use Colorado for an example. You need to dive into basically everything about Colorado. You can find on the DNR websites. I would research Google Whatever you want to use, everything you can possibly find well before the deadline, apply. Once you apply, that's the hardest part. It's your first year of application seasons in, okay? Every year after that, you're already in the system, but you need to stay up to date. Colorado changes rules and regulations all the time. You got to stay up to date on what's going on. So if you're only going to apply in one or two states, you want to get really proficient at knowing the ins and the outs, where's the gray areas. All that can be found on the state DNR website. All that can be found online. What I will tell you is don't get lazy. Just because you've only got one or two states you're looking at, do not get lazy when it comes to the rule books, regulations, what they're changing because they're constantly changing stuff and stuff's happening all the time. That is something I do want to put out there. I think a lot of us um, that only want to apply in a state or two, we kind of forget to stay up to date. I was guilty of this in the very beginning of my Western experiences. You know, years and years ago, I kind of only really fucked with Colorado and Utah. And um, unfortunately, I got a little bit complacent. I felt like I kind of knew the systems really good and I kind of knew like the ins and the outs. And then what happened was is they started changing things and I was actually missing out on opportunities. I was missing out on ways to gain more tags or to gain more points and et cetera, et cetera. Stuff's always changing, not only just hunting regulations, but the draw process and all that, all that stuff changes. Make sure you're staying up to date with that. Very important. Do not miss out. All right. Now, Let's get into sheds. Okay, so I've had a million people in the last month at the Indiana show here this past weekend, at the seminars, on social media, talk sheds, talk sheds. What's what's my, you know, here in Ohio, what's going on? All right, well, let's break it down. So right now we're at the end of February. I start getting pretty excited right now, end of February. Um, from what I'm seeing, a lot of my deer, typically this time of the year, they're, lo- they're losing antlers. They're dropping. Or they've already dropped. This year has been weird. Um, 
we did not have much for a winner. Um, Rachel and Andy brought this up, and I've actually seen it as well. There are a lot of scrapes that have been opened up in the last month. Um, scrapes that you can absolutely tell have been hit. Um, I think there was a big wave of does because, number one, the mild fall and winter we had and just the abundance of does that got bred late this year. I think you are going to see a ton of little guys running around in the middle of summer that should have been born, say, in late April, May, early June that are going to be born later. That's just my prediction based off what I'm seeing. Um, I feel like that is going to play a factor into when sheds drop as well. Um, I have found a lot early. I also have found that there are a lot of deer that have still been holding the last few weeks. For me, I feel like right now is a great time to get going. Now, if you're in a state like Ohio, Iowa, Kansas, um, public land wise, they are getting pounded because everybody wants to be the first guy in to try to find those sheds on public. And I can't disagree with that. But what I will tell you is I do not feel like all the bucks have shed. I think a lot have. Maybe I would say 70% in my area. I'm still bumping some bucks as I'm shed hunting that have both sides. So it's something to really take into consideration. I think, um, you know, I get pretty serious around March 1st. Um, that's when I kind of really start pounding. But I will say I've been out a couple times already this year. And I've got 17, which is a lot. We'll dive into me and old Kiki Bird, my youngest son, Keaton. Him and I had a hell of a day here um, not too long ago. So I will dive into that. Um, we had a great day. Um, and I'm going to kind of dive into to what I've been noticing, what I've been seeing. So with that being said, let's get into sheds. Um, all right. Biggest question right out of the gate. Clint, you're always on 40, 50 sheds a year. Um, besides walking your ass off, what's... Why? How? What are you doing? Okay. Well, here's the here's the deal. I'm gonna break this down. I'm blessed. I've got a lot of good private that I'm able to hunt that has food on it. Okay. Food is your key. Your next key is bedding. On typical winters, which we didn't have this year in Ohio, your south facing slopes um, are money spots. So when I find a property that I'm going to go shed hunt, right off the get-go, first thing I'm looking at is, okay, what was there for food? Did we have feed? Uh, were there crops taken off late? Were there standing beans? Were there big-time food plots? Is there late-dropping acorn ridges? What do we got for food? Um, I'm going to start there. I'm always going to hit the easy spots first, especially because I share a lot of properties with people. There's also a lot of trespassing that goes on in my area for sheds. So I'm going to hit the easy spots right out of the gate. I feel like for me, that's the best case scenario is to, um, you know, just to get those out of the way, your food plots, your pastures, open areas, open places. I mean, in my opinion, you know, I want to hit those right out of the chute. Mainly, um, at this point, I'm still kind of training my eyes to look for antlers again. I mean, it, it is an art, even though I've been doing it since I was 12, 13 years old, it still takes me a few trips to kind of get back in my rhythm, back in my flow. So those wide open sheds, um, those are nice to pick up. Those are also fun ones to get the kids and the wife, the family on, etc. Um, maybe someone that's a new shed hunter, you know, th those are those are good spots to, to get in right off the rip. I try to get those out of the way. My plan then is I'm going to dive into, if we've got south facing slopes, now why south facing slopes? Okay, so they're going to get hit with the most sunlight. As most of you probably know, this year, my south-facing slopes, because it was such a mild winter, there is a shit ton of growth 
already started. What that means is those deer had stuff to feed and forage on 24-7 this winter because we never really got blankets of cold and snow. Um, this is something super crucial this year because not only did they have to bed on south, or I should say, they didn't have to bed on south-facing slopes. I had a lot of deer bedding on north because we didn't get a lot of cold weather. But those south-facing slopes that were getting hit, with the warm weather and all the sunlight, the growth is ahead of schedule. Just like green food plots. I've got big-time foundation clover plots right now that look like it's freaking May. So, with that being said, south-facing slopes, I'm going to attack. Now, I get asked this all the time. And by no means am I a shed professional. Um, I don't ever claim to be. I'm usually in that 40 to 50 a year mark. That's usually 250 to 300 miles. Um, That's just kind of typically what it is for me. I do find a fair amount of them, and I've been doing it a long time, but by no means is this the the Bible or anything. This is just what I do. But I, on a north or a south-facing slope, I personally like to hunt top-down. Top of the ridge, walk it out, move down 20, walk it back. Personally, for me, I like to look down the hill. It's easier and less stress for me on my neck, shoulders. It's it, it for me. It's just it's just easier on my eyes, on my body, to work my way down than to work my way up. So when I attack a farm and I attack south facing slopes, I'm working top down. Now, I do the same thing on north facing slopes. Um, pretty much any slope, I want to try to attack from the top and work my way down, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I always have a plan. I think a lot of guys get into trouble with shed hunting because it's just this aimlessly walk around, and I've been guilty of this. Okay, so I start, here's a prime example. Okay, I start this big grid across this south-facing ridge, right? Working from the top down, see a really good deer trail. Oh, shit, I'm going to follow this for a little bit. And then that connects to another trail. Oh, shit, that looks good. I'm gonna, let's see what's over here. And then the ADHD kicks in, okay? And then at this point now, I've already got three energy drinks in me, so I'm fucking all wired up. Instead of covering that whole ridge, I've now gotten off the beaten path, and I'm two miles away, and, and all I did was just go from trail to trail to trail. Now, can a guy find sheds doing that? Absolutely, I've done it. Is it the most effective way? In my opinion, it's not. I'm buddies with a lot of guys that aren't deer hunters, but they're shed hunters, and they're fucking really good at it. And they put me to shame. I'm not going to name names because they're local guys that they wouldn't want me. Uh, let's see. Two of the three have no social media you've never heard of. You probably never will hear of. But they're 80 to 100 sheds a year. So they're doubling what I'm finding. This is their love. It's what it's their passion. You know, I'm passionate about running arrows through shit. They're passionate about picking up antlers. A plan of attack and sticking to the plan is their number one key of why they find so many. In my opinion, fight the ADHD. Do not let that take off and get you off your plan. So if your plan is I'm going to work this ridge top to bottom and then I'm going to move over to the north side and work it top to bottom, do that. I think personally you will find a lot more sheds and be a lot happier by doing that. So on these parcels that I'm looking at, I'm going to break them down into sections. Let's say I've got a whole weekend I'm going to hunt this farm. It's 220 acres. Okay. We're going to cover the fields first. Right out of the chute, we're going to try to get all the fields covered as best we can. It's great to have a partner to do this with, but if you don't have a partner, you got to do this shit solo. Makes it tougher. Um, that's a lot of ground to cover for one guy in a weekend. So you're talking long days. But 
I'm going to break these ridges up and work them top to bottom. Any bottoms or bottom ground or, you know, anything that's not a ridge, I'm going to work top to bottom. I'm going to try to figure out geometrically how can I either square this thing off or round it off, and I'm going to work it left to right or right to left. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. On average, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds aren't looking that great. Luckily, I have a 100% guaranteed way to save you money this year. Just switch to Mint Mobile. Right now, Mint Mobile has wireless plans starting at $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com WCB. That's mintmobile.com WCB. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash WCB. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Again, have a plan of attack. Have a purpose. Don't just say, I'm going to meander through this 100-acre woodlot, zigzag, and I'm just going to kind of fiddle-fuck around and say, yep, well, I covered it. There's no sheds in there. I guarantee you there's probably sheds in there, but because you didn't actually comb it over, and you just kind of meandered, you probably missed them. Now, with that being said, this is just what I like to do. Put the disclaimer out there. I like to get on Google Earth, or you could use uh, DeerCast app. It has the new maps. They are totally kick-ass. If you're not a member of that, get signed up. Um, obviously, you know Onyx has been one that I've worked with for a long time. Hunt Stand, whatever the hell you want to use. Mark this stuff down. I run a tracker on Onyx a lot. And it shows me what I'm doing. It's showing me my zigzag. It's showing me how I'm working back and forth, back and forth, back and forth across this south facer or how I've attacked this field. Okay. What's good about this is I can save that, screenshot it, whatever you want to do. It's going to show me what I've covered. Now, if there's big gaps and holes that I've missed, I'm going to want to go back and cover those. Okay. Prime example. Let's talk cornfields. Okay. Guys hate cornfields. I fucking love them. Find a lot of sheds that people walk by in cornfields. Why? It's hard. It's not easy. Picked bean field, you can come over in 10 minutes. Cornfield? Shit. 20-acre cornfield might take you four or five hours to comb that the right way. What I like about it, though, is a lot of people, like I say, will overlook these or won't even tackle them. And there's a lot of deer that are looking for corn in late season because of that source of protein and fat. So, 
great spot to find sheds. I use the six, seven row method. I don't know if anyone's ever coined this. Maybe I should put it on a t-shirt. Maybe you guys should go get it tattooed on your ass cheek. I don't know, but I use what I call the six, seven row method. I'm going to go from the end of the field, go down six or seven rows and start there. Walk all the way down. As I'm doing that, I am scanning six to seven rows on both sides of me. I'm not walking fast. I'm not walking slow. A very just nice, natural walk. I'm scanning left to right, left to right, left to right. I'm covering 10, 20 feet out in front of me, both sides. If I need to slow down a little bit, I will. If I need to pick it up the pace a little bit, I will. But some cornfields are thicker than others. Some are planted different row widths. So a lot of this goes into, you know, were there a lot of weeds in this field? You know, there's a lot of factors here. I'm going to get to the end and I'm going to turn and go down another six, seven rows and do the same thing back. This is my philosophy for how I'm going to cover an entire field. Now, maybe six or seven rows is too much for you. So instead of covering 13, 14 at a time, you're like, hey, I need to be a four or five row person. I'm going to basically cover eight to 10. That's fine too. This is just a method that I've used over the years. Uh, it's worked out really good for me. I had an old timer show me this. Makes a lot of sense. Um, I do not like aimlessly walking cornfields. Why? Well, you're tripping and falling over stocks the whole time. That's not really fun. It's hard as hell to go against the rows and against the grains and look for sheds, in my opinion. You're way better off to walk down one row and be looking out ahead of you where you can kind of actually row the rows than to just try to aimlessly walk across the whole field back and forth and you're tripping on freaking stalks and you're trying to look down at where your feet are to make sure you're not falling. And if you've ever fallen on a corn stalk, it fucking hurts. So there's that. I just think that's the most effective method. There again, though, I'm running a tracker. I'm going to see what I've covered. I'm going to stay on track. Some of these fields, they get all wavy and turny and they're not just a perfect square field. We have a lot of them back here where I live in Northeast Ohio. I have to run that tracker to make sure I'm covering everything I need to. It's easy to get turned around in a cornfield, as crazy as it sounds, and actually miss a big chunk or not cover a spot. That's how I'm going to attack cornfields. Um, same thing with the woods. I think it's really important, like I said, I scout with a purpose, I hunt with a purpose, I shut out with a purpose. Now, when I've got the kids, it's a lot harder, okay? Easton's six, Keaton's four. Um, they're not exactly in tune with the plan all the time. Uh, it's kind of a free-for-all. On those days, I don't necessarily have a plan. We're just kind of out there to have a good time. If we stumble on some sheds, great. If we don't, we're going to eat some Paw Patrol freaking goldfish, and we're going to have some fruit snacks, and we're going to drink a freaking water and have a good time regardless, and that's just how it's going to be, and I'm totally okay with that. But if I'm by myself or I'm with a partner, I'm definitely going to have a plan of attack. I think that's the number one key to guys that are really, really good at shed hunting is they've always got some type of plan, and they've got some type of like rhyme and reason of what they're doing. Um, overlooked spots, I think I get asked that a lot, you know. For me, I try to cover everything. Um, you know, I, I think maybe like your creek crossings, your fence crossings, like spots like that where you know deer are jumping over stuff, I wouldn't say are overlooked, but sometimes I almost feel like we maybe don't put enough effort into them. For an example, um, I find a lot of antlers 20, 30, 40 yards off 
excuse me, of that creek crossing or after they jumped the fence. Why? They rattled their antlers, took a few more steps, 10 more yards, and it popped off. Don't get lazy and only look right off the water, right off the fence. Give yourself another 20, 30 yards. You might be surprised how many you find. I think stuff like that, um, bedding areas and thickets, stuff where it's really, really thick. It's hard to not start meandering through thickets. I try to draw lines in my mind of, okay, that tree out there is 200 yards away. I need to get to that tree. When I get to that tree, my next straight line, okay, go over there to that bank. That's another 200 yards on a straight line. I try to set landmarks for myself because sometimes it really does get hard in thickets. I find a lot of sheds and bedding areas and stuff, um, especially on those south-facing slopes. And it can be kind of a daunting task to hunt that shit because it is thick. It's hard to like not kind of zigzag and not kind of get, you know, you, you can easily get off track. So I try to find landmarks to sort of help me. Um, something else that I do, and this is just me, I don't scout when I shed hunt and I don't shed hunt when I scout. What I mean by that is when I'm scouting, if I stumble on a shed, great, but I'm not, I'm training my eyes to do two different things. When I'm scouting, I'm looking at everything. Okay. I'm looking at rubs. I'm looking at scrapes. I'm looking at trees. I'm looking at lay of the land. I'm looking at, I'm fucking looking all over the place. I want to find every detail about why I'm there. When I'm shed hunting, I am focused on one thing and one thing only. What looks like an antler or what is an antler? And that is it. Um, I've got a very different approach. My eyes are scanning the ground and maybe a foot or two above in case there's a hanger shed somewhere, which rarely do I find. I, I mean, I have found, I would say, maybe one or two every year. Um, which is not very many. So out of 40 or 50, one or two a year might be stuck in some brush or briars or hanging off a limb or something. Um, but my eyes and what I'm doing is very much a different deal than when I'm actually out there scouting. That's just me. A lot of guys want to shed hunt and scout at the same time, and that's fine. But I think when you try to combine both um, and you want to be really good at both, it's hard for me, my eyes are looking at two totally different things, and I think I'm missing sign or I'm missing sheds. So I try to break that into, hey, am I scouting today or am I shed hunting? I do a lot of scouting January, February, early March, a lot of shed hunting all March and April while I'm turkey hunting. Um, if it's boring and shit's not happening and birds are hand up, I will go shed hunt or I will go scout. Um, I'll pick one. That's a great time. You know, I can walk around and look and still be listening for a bird to sound off. And then, holy shit, the game just flipped. Now we're going to go turkey hunt. Um, but that's just me. It's just what I do. Um, I've tried to do both before. And what I've found is that I've come back later and walked by sheds or walked by sign because I was trying to do two things at once and wasn't just focused in on one thing. Like I said, that's just me. You know, um, that's what works um, over the years. Like I said, I, I've just kind of found out that if I just do one and not both, um, I'm a lot better off and I feel like I'm a lot more of a detailed guy um, in my scouting and in my shed hunting. So kind of a funny story. The other day, um, Easton goes to school. Keaton didn't have school that day because he only goes Thursdays and Fridays. So him and I said, hey, let's jump in the ranger. Let's go do some shed hunting over at this one farm. This is like the perfect shed day. You know, it's kind of cloudy, um, fairly warm, you know, a little bit of wind, but not too bad. Uh, we jump in and man, we're just on fire. I mean, just right out of the gate there, every field we're in, we're finding a shed. Well, 
right out of the shoot, you know, um, picked up a pretty decent four point side. Keaton's all pumped up, you know, and, and, um, just, you know, I mean, this is his first, like, he found an antler last year, um, when we were cleaning up fence rows together, but this is kind of his first, like, real, like, him and I shed hunt, cause he's four now and he can walk pretty, you know, he can keep up pretty good and, He's got a pretty good, uh, pretty good eye on him for for deer and turkeys, and he, he's he's starting to kind of pick up an eye for antlers and whatnot, you know. And um, so we found like three or four, and out ahead of him, we're going across this field. It's a uh, old bean field, and um, I see just this fucking hammer laying there out in front of him, and I'm just like, oh my god! I mean, it's big. Ends up being seventy two inch side. Um, just just a big hammer five point side and he's heading right for it and i'm like man i wonder if he's gonna you know there's a couple of spots in this bean field that the weeds um took over a little bit and it's laying right in one of those and i'm like oh shit he's gonna be right there like it's it's gonna be close you know he's walking he's walking and i'm like his nickname's kiki bird he he probably isn't gonna let me call him that for much longer but his mother and I, that's what we've just always called him that since he was little, old, little old Kiki Bird. I said, hey, Kiki Bird, I said, walk up above you to that that brushy patch. So he's like, all right. He takes off. He's marching up there. You know, he's got his little car hearts on, his rubber boots, you know, and he's got his little WCB stocking cap on. He's hands in his pockets. He's trudging along and gets right up to it. Looks back at me and yells, go into this and yeah go go in there and i'm too far away to get good footage um but walks right in and he lifts this thing up and it's just his freaking hammer i mean hell it's as big as he is and uh i get over to him and he's like oh dad he's you know we're talking about the antler he's like dad we're on fire we're freaking killing it today he's like well i mean i'm on fire but you're doing a pretty good job too. And I'm just like, Christ, I'm getting my ass kicked today by my four-year-old, which I'm totally fine with. But in that day, we end up finding 10 sheds. Um, so absolutely stellar day. 10 sheds, two of which being really nice. The one's just an absolute hammer and then a bunch of singles. Two old ones, and then um, the rest were fresh from this year. But what was really cool about that is the point I want to make. So because we had this mild year, um, a lot of my big time um, foundation clover and chicory plots and, and things like that, my green fields, we found seven out of the 10 in those. The other three were co- a cut cornfield and two bean fields. So what I do want to point out is if you're in Ohio or you're in a state that had a mild winter this year, that green feed is attracting and drawing a ton of deer right now, a ton. If you've got alfalfa, chicory, clover, etc., Get out there and check those out before someone else beats you to it. I'm telling you right now, I'm finding a ton of sheds in pastures and on green where the green growth is coming back or where there was already green planted. Now, with that being said, I also think on these south-facing slopes where sunlight is hitting 24-7, we're going to find a lot in the next month there too because that is the first slope that's going to start having growth come back. Briars. Um, just forbs and natural grasses and things of that nature. Definitely be checking those things out. I think it's, uh, man, shed hunting is just a lot of fun. It's like I said, it's great to get the kids involved, get the family involved. I mean, by no means am I some pro, but these are just things I've picked up over the years. I've, I've gotten asked about that a lot. You know, um, I know me and Austin and Kurt and the crew, 
we did a lot. Um, got to talk to a lot of cool people at the show, and we got you know we got asked about sheds a lot um, at the Indiana show. Constantly was getting asked about sheds and, and antlers, and um, you know what's our philosophy. Um, I know Austin's had a pretty solid year so far. Kurt's on the board. Um, I know Lee's on the board. Uh, even for a cult leader, that guy's pretty solid when it comes to to antlers. Um, not quite sure if he's find him finding those legally or not because he's in a cult i don't know if he has to abide by like trespassing rules and regulations so i can't say he's for sure legal as far as what he's doing um not how not sure how like the laws and regs apply to him because he's kind of got his own thing going on um no i'm I'm fucking kidding that's a joke for those of you who don't know we're talking about the cult leader our good buddy lee um yeah just i'm totally kidding it's just a little plug a little laugh a little stab at lee lee's a hell of a good um shed hunter i know he's got some good ones so far him and his little boys got on some i don't know about ross doug's got nine or ten i think right now so far i don't think eric's got to go out yet but yeah kind of the whole cruise um on the board we're kind of getting going with that um so yeah man it's going to be fun to see what we all turn up in the next few weeks and not and uh whatnot but as far as upcoming stuff so i want to say the shoot is june 10th for those of you that are going to come to that um st galesburg man get your stuff booked there's not a ton of hotels around so get ahead of the game with that we're looking forward to that that's always fun probably my favorite event of the year because we get to have a great time hang out with all you guys shoot bows drink beer we always run out the bar um and have food and and you know live music and whatnot you know so Man, you know, it's just it's just a great time. We have so much fun there. Um let's see. Oh, new merch. So we've got like seven new shirts at the shows, couple new hats. Um I've been asked about CC Hunt File. I got new stickers coming. I'm all out of CC Hunt File shirts, but Eric has got a sweet kick-ass new design coming. Um brand new I'm not going to say it's a totally brand new logo, but a twist on the logo. I think you guys are going to really like very CC Hunt Files um kind of feel to it i think you guys are going to be stoked about that i think you're going to be pumped with how that looks uh, man eric just kills it over there it's crazy every year at the trade shows i'm just like how in the hell do you keep track of all eric's just got a dialed in system uh yeah man shout out to that guy when it comes to the trade shows and the shirts and the hats and the merch and how all that shit works like that guy's just got a really good system Nobody really sees behind the scenes how much work that guy does when it comes to the merch and whatnot. Um, oh, bought the building next door to the studio. We are in renovation mode with that. I know Kurt's been posting stuff. Um, man, just super stoked to see what we're going to be able to turn that into. I was there last weekend at the studio and got to help on Friday before I left with Restoration Day. And we were freaking yeah, blowing walls out and freaking ripping the ceiling out and caving shit in and yeah i mean it's it's just it's going to be awesome to look at what we started with and what we finished with um man it's just so cool to be able to expand and and just we had a bunch of people there um shout out to everyone that was able to come out and help us that day uh man yeah just, just awesome i mean it's just so fucking cool to see like what we're able to create and what we've been able to do and and just what you know what kurt and eric started eight years ago and, and where it's at now it's it's just freaking nuts but it's all because of you guys and we can't fucking thank you enough um we're stoked to see everybody at the shows and we're just getting cranked into show season we got shed season you know here right now um turkey season coming up i got some really good podcasts coming down the wire as far as um episodes you know um 
got some really good turkey ones coming up. I know a really good one with um, Kurt and Mark and I believe Waddell all together talking turkeys. I think that dropped on maybe DeerCast today, actually, on um, today being Monday. Pretty sure it dropped. So if you haven't checked that out yet, definitely go check that out. And uh, yeah, man, that's about it. I'm uh, yeah, going to be in recovery mode for the rest of the day and got a few things here on the farm to do. We're getting ready to get things uh, kicked off here in the next few months where we got a new planner we just got working on getting that figured out with dads and new Great Plains and um, man, getting fertilizer and, and seed and just getting all of our shit ready to rock and roll. And I'm getting this new bow set up. Um, just got my brand new dialed sight in. Shout out to those guys. They just sent me some goodies. Brand new sight. Stoked to get that thing on this new bow and, and get it rocking and rolling. Um, I'm running that three pin this year, three vertical pin. Um, yeah, just can't say enough about those guys over there. To it, it just man, those guys Taylor and Scott and everybody over there dial. Just shout out to them. Huge supporters of the podcast. Um, yeah. Oh, that being said, too. Speaking of the podcast, shout out to uh, my man Jake Johnson. If you've not followed the Victory Drive podcast, you need to be. He's putting on a kick-ass show every single episode. Great guests. Um, his wife, Ashley, was on. They were at the show this weekend. Past weekend, I guess I should say. They're going to be at Iowa. Um, make sure you stop over and meet Jacob if you don't already know him. Hell of a guy. Ashley's cool as hell. We had a great weekend with them. Like I said, he's doing a hell of a job. Um, man, it's tough to go from a guy that's on podcast to being a host. Um, just ask me about it. It's not as fucking easy as everyone thinks it is. It's it's tough. It's I felt like it took me eight, nine months to really get in a groove. Um, I'm by no means Kurt Geyer, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, man, you know, um, all the, I guess you could call it constructive criticism and what you guys like, what you don't. I appreciate the fuck out of all of it. Don't stop doing that. Make sure you tell me, hey, this was great. This wasn't. Uh, it helps me get better. Everything I do, I want to be the best at, and and this is a learning gig. It's a learning game. So for guys like me, and you know, especially Jacob, who's about two months in, if there's things you don't like, or there's things you want to see more of, or less of, or hey man, here's just a pat on the ass. You're doing a good job, man. Reach out to us because it does mean a lot. You know, we want to take everything that you guys say and try to figure out how to either fix it or do more of it or less of it or make it better. You know, we are here for an entertainment purposes for you guys. We want to put on the best podcast episode each and every week, give you guys what you want. So if you want to hear me talk about snaring and trapping fucking zebras, tell me that's what you want to hear. Um, if you're like, hey, Clint, no one gives a shit about mule deer. Talk less about that. I'm probably going to tell you to kick rocks because I like mule deer. But I will thank you for at least giving me that uh, tidbit of information and your input. <laughs> With that being said, um, hey, hi, I'm uh, pretty much talked out on this one. I'm going to close her down. I will see you guys either in Iowa, Ohio, Wisconsin, Illinois. If I don't see you at one of the shows you suck, I better see you at the shoot. You guys know what to do. We appreciate the hell out of you. Don't fucking settle. See you next week. Can you say the letter C? Files.